You are listening to Raices Verdes, a platform dedicated to validating, archiving, and sharing the experiences of people of color, indigenous people, and other marginalized voices in connection to the environment. Raices Verdes is a space to intersect our green roots to our narratives of displacement, migration, community, and growth. My name is Samara Almonte, aka La Fresa de Rancho, the creator and host of Raices Verdes. Before we get started on our episode, I want to acknowledge the land I am currently recording on. We are on Coast Salish land, Lummi and Nooksack territory, and I did not ask for permission to be here today. I am only a visitor in this land and stand with the indigenous communities here as they are in their journey to be sovereign. All right, so this episode is a little bit different than some of the other ones to come because this is sort of an introduction episode to just let folks know who I am and why I'm doing this work. Some of you listening might know me personally and know a little bit more about my story, but of course, I hope that this podcast will reach other folks that need or that will have never met me in person possibly or just don't know enough about me. So, the first part I want to cover is my name or kind of my host name that I'm trying to get started. La Fresa de Rancho. Some of you, again, have probably heard me refer to myself as a fresa de rancho, but I think it's important to let the audience know what that means to me and why I think this name really encompasses a lot of my identity in this work. So for those of you non-Spanish speakers, fresa de rancho, the literal translation of that is strawberry from ranch. That sounds really weird translated, but I will break it down so that it's a better understanding of both words. So fresa, the literal translation, is strawberry. But if you're Latinx, especially Mexican, you've probably heard this word used as more of a slang term to refer to a certain type of person. So I was kind of curious what the internet had to say about what a fresa is, because it's not like a, how would you say, like a legit term, like it's definitely a slang term. And when I googled fresa, this is what came up in a Wikipedia page in English. Fresa is a slang social term used in Mexico and some parts of Latin America to describe a cultural stereotype of superficial youngsters who, by the traditional definition of the word, come from an educated, upper-class family. Another word, maybe in English, that we might use would be like preppy or someone that's very snobby. Well, yes, preppy, I think, would be the better word. And I think this definition is really funny because I do not identify with any of those things. These things are not part of my background. I don't come from an educated background or an upper-class family. If anything, I am the first in my immediate family to go to college. Some of my other cousins and my mom's brother have attended higher education, but from like my immediate nuclear family, I am the first one. And so that really is what's going to be changing, I guess, the socioeconomic and education status of my family. And so for me, fresa, the way I identify with that is not necessarily what it means in terms of the family that I come from, but more of who I am right now, because I think the word fresa can really speak to some of my privileges. So as I just mentioned, I am now college educated. I am literally two weeks, no less than, yeah, probably like 
actually yeah like two weeks from graduating with a BA in urban planning and again this is something that my family has been wanting for me for a very long time that I think the ancestors really knew was coming but now because of different reasons I have been able to obtain that. I am also U.S. born so I'm a U.S. citizen even though I have ancestry from Mexico I can't deny that there is a part of me that is tied to this um to these privileges that come with being a U.S. citizen. And so again, I think the word fresa really encompasses a lot of that because usually in Mexico, and I'm not sure if it's the same for other parts of Latin America that uses this word, but you'll call someone a fresa who you think is very like well-spoken, who seems very educated, who's traveled a lot. And usually in Mexico, it might mean someone that drops random words in English here and there, making it seem like they're like very much bilingual and live a very Americanized lifestyle. So again, by that, more of that definition, I would say I'm definitely a fresa, what the world calls a fresa, because I speak English relatively well, you know, no accent. And I've been able to travel a lot, again, because of my U.S. citizenship. And because I've been in these different education spaces, one might say I'm very, quote-unquote, well-spoken. Of course, these are all under a westernized idea, of what a well-educated, well-spoken person is. I think also with the word fresa, aside from it speaking to my privileges, I think fresa is often used as a way to talk about someone who's very like high maintenance and very feminine presenting. Um, men can be, or like cis men can also be called fresas, um, but usually that has to do with more about them having a lot of money and a lot of power and just like, showing off their money, whether it's with the type of cars that they drive, the clothing that they wear, the brands. And the same thing goes with um, women or queer folks, but I think with men, they won't always be called a fresa if they um, dress very feminine or choose to like do a lot of high-maintenance things. Sometimes, depending on where you're from, like in Mexico, I think they would use more derogatory terms that allude to... Um, sexuality and whatnot because well it is still a very homophobic country and a homophobic culture but anyways so for me another reason why I like to identify with the word fresa is because it has that connotation of someone who's very high maintenance cares a lot about the way they look and I think that's something that I realized early on that I like and that I think about a lot and that for me like the way I appear the way I like to be feminine Um, can come with a lot of stigma and people won't take me as seriously in different educational spaces. Um, I think in urban planning, a lot of the other women that I've encountered, when we dress like, you know, business casual or professional in different spaces, again, the bright lipsticks are usually not seen or like people wearing bright hoops or like bright clothing is not usually um, accepted. But I think those are things that I really like to do. And I think they really come back to my cultural upbringing and like a Mexican culture and a Latinx culture and so for that I enjoy being a fresa you know I am very high maintenance regardless of the work that I do but that doesn't mean I don't like to do things outside or like to be in these different spaces it's just I'll do it with lipstick and hoops on you know and so that kind of leads to the second part of my name the rancho So I'm all these like, you know, snobby, educated, high maintenance things that people see. But with that, I also come with a certain type of ancestry, certain type of roots. And the rancho, meaning from ranch, is like the literal translation. Um, it speaks to that 
So my family is from the state of Michoacán in Mexico. And if you know anything about the state of Michoacán, it is avocados. Avocados and lots of rural agriculture land. Uh, Michoacán produces a lot of, like I mentioned, avocados, sugar cane, um, lots of other vegetables, fruits, chiles. We have a big variety of climates within the state. So like where my family is, it's what they call tierra caliente or um, hot, like deserty. Well, not deserty, but just hot land. Um, so we have very humid climates in the summer. It will have a lot of rains to um, naturally irrigate the land, but it will still be humid. And so that's where you'll see a lot of those types of crops grow. But then there's also like sierra in the state. So then you'll have cooler climate for the avocados and strawberries and other types of um, things that are grown in Michoacán. And then with that, Michoacán also has a, ma- a big amount of bodies of water. So again, my connections to land and to like rancho or agricultural life has come from my family being from Michoacán and always being surrounded by water and agriculture. Um, specifically with the sugarcane, I think the avocado industry is a lot it's a, a lot more recent, a lot more newer in Michoacán because of the consumerism of avocados in the U.S. and across the world. But historically, my family has been um, sugarcane workers. So for me, sugarcane is kind of a plant that I think definitely speaks to me and recognizes me wherever I see her. I You will notice in the logo for Raices Verdes, the mujer that's you know kneeling down or sitting there is surrounded by sugarcane and that to me was really important because that plan really connects to those roots for me my grandfather wasn't a sugarcane farmer my great-grandfather was a sugarcane farmer and my dad as well for some time I don't have the knowledge per se to like grow sugarcane sugarcane on my own or really invest in that, but I definitely grew up seeing it, seeing the process of cutting it, burning it, growing it again. A lot of irrigation, it takes up a lot of water, but again, um, we're really blessed in Michoacán to have a lot of water, and so for me, there was always this feeling of like, okay, there's always enough to go around, always enough for the sugar cane, always enough for us at home, always enough everywhere for water. And that, of course, has now change and become more complex as I live in the U.S. and seeing other parts of the U.S., including the state of Michigan, where they struggle a lot with water. And so that is also going to come into play in how I think about my relationship to the earth and what does it mean to be in solidarity and do the work of healing and justice with other communities that have never or that have never had that stability with water like I did. So in all, Fresa de Rancho is the way I like to identify as someone who, you know, has come to a place of academia, has come to a place where the future will look different for myself than the way it did for my family under these institutions of, like, capitalism and, um, you know, education because I've had these tools available to me, but I still acknowledge the roots that I come, and those roots are agricultural. Those roots taught me how to love the land, how to be with the land, and you can't separate those, you know, regardless of where I live, if it's in an urbanized setting, which will be very likely because I'm an urban planner and I really think some of the work I want to do has to be in cities, I will never forget that my roots come from land and water. And I'm just a contradiction of both. And I think it's okay to be both because in this world, especially as, you know, people of color, younger generations that are very much 
the product of diaspora and displacement of our families, especially if we come from like a first generation of migration, we have to be a little bit of both. We end up being contradictions. And I think a lot of the work just has to be healing and coming home to those roots. And so with that, I kind of want to translate to why I chose the name Raices Verdes or Green Roots for this podcast. I think we as people of color, as indigenous people, as black people, all these different marginalized identities, we have very strong connections to the earth, to different elements such as water, land, air, etc. We've had these connections historically, you know, they've been part of our DNA, part of our stories. But because of things like colonization, you know, capitalism, patriarchy, whatever power, whatever um, systems of power you want to think of, they've been disrupted. I don't want to say that they've been destroyed because clearly like we're looking through them right now and we're working our way back to them. But they've definitely been misconstructed because of these patterns of trying to destroy that knowledge. And so I want with Raices Verdes to see our connections to the environment, whatever part that is, as roots as well, as deeply embedded roots to land, to water, and that if we're displaced right now from our ancestral lands, to think critically about what does it mean to hold that ancestry while also supporting the indigenous communities in the current location you're at, you're at right now. So like how I mentioned, I am in Coast Salish land. So what does that look like for me to acknowledge the green roots that are here right the roots connected to the water here the roots connect to the land to the forest here and how do i see my own green roots and have all of them intersect because i think at the end of the day different communities of color different indigenous communities had similar stories different similar ways of connecting to the earth those we just haven't been able to communicate as well because of things like colonization and borders being created right and these physical ways of keeping us out from each other and I think um, just as we think of our connections to our family to our ancestors as roots then we should also think about our connections to other non-human things as roots as well and I kind of mentioned it earlier but with me being from the state of Michoacan that is Purepecha territory Purepecha people are still in Michoacan and have been historically living there Unfortunately, my family has never spoken to me in Purepecha and doesn't know a lot about our history in Purepecha, uh, from Purepecha people. I know my father has talked about it a little bit in terms of my grandmother. She was a healer, a community healer. She would, you know, heal people for different things, whether it was like physical illnesses, more like emotional kind of um, worries. She would do a lot with her hands in um, healing and massaging people and a lot of people as my dad likes to say couldn't pay with money so it would be like an exchange of goods like today you know I'll bring you this much frijol this much sugarcane or this much this in exchange for you to massage my child or heal my child for this or give him this one remedy and so as I am doing this work of coming home to my green roots, to my raices verdes, and connecting with you all in your raices verdes. I am trying to come home to that part of me that speaks to Purepecha, um, Purepecha DNA. And again, being very critical of what it means to be a Chicana, a U.S. citizen, and hold these privileges and be part of the um, settler colonial narrative, 
but I still believe I have every right to connect to those other ancestry and I think this podcast will help me with that as I connect with other people of color and hear their own journeys of coming home to their roots and I think there'll be a lot of healing done through this project. I have a lot of other projects that I'm going to be part of and want to work on but I think this podcast will help me center and come back to the real purpose and the core of why I even started doing the work I wanted to do in environmental field and then kind of switched over to environmental justice as I realized that that was more of the space that I wanted to be in and then now in urban planning. So thank you again for listening to Raices Verdes, for hopping on this journey with me and if you want to know more about the work I'm doing outside of Raices Verdes, you can go to my website like online profile at samaraalmonte.com so just my full name.com and you know thank you again for being part of this work and getting to know me a little bit more today and i just remind you that if you want to hear more from raices verdes to follow us on our instagram nuestras raices verdes nuestrasraicesverdes.com where you can subscribe to get email updates and on SoundCloud Raices Verdes